Well, hello, and welcome to another one of my short In Moscow Shadows cellcasts. Just as a reminder, these go out directly to patrons and then to everyone else and become open a week later. So we have a chance to decide just how badly I get things wrong. This is being recorded on the morning of Tuesday, the 11th of August, and I'm going to be talking about Belarus and more to the point, Russian perspectives. Three points, really, I want to make. First of all, key one is this. Putin does not want to annex Belarus. Even before this weekend's ridiculous poll result and the predictable protests. Incidentally, why did Lukashenko award himself a gratuitously implausible 80% of the vote? Because he had to. This was his go-big-or-go-home moment. In order to preserve the aura of Borg-like resistance's futile strength, he needed to make an obvious, obscene gesture of power and get away with it. Well, he's halfway there. Anyway, the point is this. Belarus is not Crimea. Nowhere is Crimea, for that matter, a piece of land that pretty much near every Russian thinks was rightfully theirs. Nor is Belarus like Crimea in 2014, essentially ripe for the taking. Even if we project forward and think of a regime collapse there, it would be a very brave analyst who would guarantee that the Belarus military and security forces, let alone the Belarus people, would not fight. The idea that somehow Putin would see the annexation of a territory seven and a half times the size of Crimea, I checked, 27,000 square kilometres to 207,000 square kilometres, with almost five times the population, nine and a half million in Belarus, two million in Crimea, with forces likely to resist, well, put it all together, and the thought that he believes that his population would welcome this with open arms is questionable, to say the least. Especially given that GDP per capita in Belarus is half that in Russia. So this means it will be once again a case of having to rob Peter to pay Paul, or in this case, rob Pyotr to pay Pavel, at a time when Russians are already, or particularly in the regions, feeling hard done by. Remember Khabarovsk? That hasn't gone away. So Putin is certainly not looking for excuses to annex Belarus. But this is the second point. He may feel he has no option but to engage and intervene in some way. We're nowhere, nowhere near there yet. And I think that's worth stressing. But at the same time, it's clear that his red line would be the prospect of, quote unquote, losing another near abroad state. And a Slavic Orthodox one at that to the West. Russia and Belarus are notionally in a union, and there is much military, economic and political cooperation, despite the periodic Lukashenko-Putin spats. If it seriously looked, not just as if Lukashenko is going to fall, but that some new government would actually take it in that direction, swing it towards the European Union, maybe even, God forbid, NATO, well, Moscow might feel, probably would feel, that it has to act in some way. And I'll come back to that. Now, logic would say that Belarus could not truly separate itself easily or quickly from Russia. Its main energy source, its largest trading partner, it's worth over half of its exports, sorry, a third of its exports and over half of its imports. Um, and also, let's face it, Russia and Belarus are cousins to say the very least. But logic isn't always the driver on both sides. 
So from Putin's point of view, I think this must be seen as a fear, not an opportunity. The fear that for the sake of his nation, his credibility, his historical status, he has to engage Russia in some kind of adventure in Belarus, whether we're talking about uh, annexation or much, much more likely some kind of political involvement. But nonetheless, it's one that's likely to be unpopular with his people, expensive, but ultimately, from his view, necessary. Thirdly, so what is actually Moscow going to do? Well, look, for the moment, I imagine they're crossing their fingers and hoping that Batka, Daddy Lukashenko, can survive. From their point of view, their ideal is a weak but enduring Lukashenko regime. Indeed, Putin's congratulatory message to him after his quote-unquote election, to me, read more like a list of demands than anything else. While Lukashenko has always historically tried to play off Moscow with the West, the thing is that ultimately Russia knew that so long as Belarus was run by the so-called last dictator in Europe, it was in a position to flirt with the European Union, but not get past first base. This was a relationship which was all courtship, no consummation. However, there is not much that Moscow can really do at this stage that doesn't risk making the situation worse. Something it's worth noting that uh, the West could easily do too. There are considerable operational contacts between the Russian military police and security agencies and their Belarusian counterparts. Now, and I imagine that these contacts are being worked within each of their lives in order to gauge the mood and morale of Lukashenko's Praetorians, because after all, this is going to be a really crucial issue. He now is having to depend on the not just the competence, but above all, the unity and the willingness to get out in the streets and crack heads of his security forces. We've got to see what happens. If Moscow can do so, I would imagine that they're already sounding out potential successors, hoping to find ones whom they regard as reasonable in their eyes if necessary, with an eye to future support. But as I said, I think I would stress that this is about thinking of future options rather than that they would start trying to supplant Lukashenko. No doubt, contingency plans for military, political and covert operations are being dusted off just in case. Again, that's always a worry because, yes, of course, you, you dust off the operational plans in, if the situation, just in case the situation requires it. But the danger is that this also acquires a momentum of its own, that, well, we've got this plan, shouldn't we try it? I don't think, again, I don't think we're there yet, but just something to be bearing in mind. And what's more, I think some of the various geopolitical entrepreneurs who drive much of day-to-day -day active measures, you know, the media outlets, the oligarchs and minigarchs and such like, I imagine they're already pitching schemes and looking for opportunities. Um, it was quite interesting, this recent story, um, about the, the idea that the mercenaries, the Wagner mercenaries who had been detained in, in Belarus, actually did so because of a sinister Ukrainian plot to do so. Now, I would doubt that that, that initiative of that story came from the Kremlin, because not least, actually, it also makes Wagner and the Russian state look a bit stupid. Um, but it's exactly the kind of thing that we might well see as people try and think of ways in which they feel they can inject themselves into this story if they think it's going to be good for their careers. So the issue is this. Given just how diffuse the Russian state is in practice, 
it's not simply a question of what does Putin want. It's also the question as to what do people think Putin wants. And therefore, the longer we don't really get any clear signal from the Kremlin, which, I mean, in fairness, I can understand why they're not. But so long as we don't get that, that also means that they're not getting that. And therefore, there is a risk that people end up pushing the envelope of acceptable activities because they think that that's what the boss would like. For now, though, the Kremlin, like, honestly, the rest of us, is essentially waiting and seeing. Supporting Lukashenko is not and cannot be a long-term strategy. Even if he gets through this crisis, I don't think he's ever going to regain that strange legitimacy, this most uncompelling of strongmen, I always thought, but nonetheless that he had with his people. But let's be honest, countries, sure, they have long-term foreign policy doctrines and strategies and so forth, but real diplomacy is often seat-of-the-pants opportunism, responding to today's crisis in a way that you hope doesn't make things worse tomorrow. And a policy that actually makes it through to the next year is a triumph. So we can hardly criticise the Russians for not really having a sustained long-term policy. But I think that's what it is at the moment. They're just hoping that Lukashenko survives. So for now, we are all just simply spectators to the unfolding story. As we all wonder if this is going to be Belarus's Euromaidan or it's Tiananmen Square. But my big concern is precisely that events on the ground... Ambitious talk of uh, reorientation westwards and a European reluctance, an understandable reluctance, to express any cautions about that will make Putin feel that he has no option but to intervene in some ways, that it will be his go big or go home moment. Okay, that, that was the cellcast on Belarus, recorded on the 11th of August going out directly to patrons and a week later to everyone else. If you would like to be a member of that elite band of people who get the inside gossip straight away, then go to patreon.com slash shadows to sign up. But for the moment, take care and thank you for listening. Товарищ правда, товарищ правда.